time to buckle up for a new episode of Raise Nation, the one and only podcast made to inspire fundraisers like you to continue making impact in our communities, building better tomorrows, and exchanging ideas. So whether you're a trailblazer or a seasoned pro, you'll pick up the trends that transform your fundraising. And together, we'll dive into lively conversations and chat with industry-leading fundraisers and thought leaders to explore hot-button issues and innovative ideas. So stay with us for the next 30 minutes while we inspire you to embrace the future of fundraising. All right, so let's get going. Um, I am driving solo today. I am missing terribly my co-host, Mr. Benjamin Farrell, but we are at the race conference and uh, Mr. Farrell is actually speaking right now at one of our sessions. So hopefully you've tuned into that or you've accessed uh, Ben's um, session on demand. Um, so we are going to jump right in with um, a really special interview with our fundraisers of the year. So let me explain. Every year at Raise, we have an award ceremony. We honor the best and the brightest in, in, in the nonprofit space. And this year, we've recognized three fundraisers, three nonprofits that have risen to the top as fundraisers of the year. Now, this is really, really special because we've all been through 19 months of I don't know what to call it anymore. And I, I don't know, maybe it's even 20 months, but it has been a very challenging, difficult time. And fundraising has not been easy. It's never easy. The work that you all do, fearless fundraisers every day, all day is super difficult, but it's even all the more difficult in a global health crisis. So to rise to the top as fundraiser of the year, I just feel that this year's award is just that much more special. So I'd love to introduce all of my guests. Um, they are the fundraisers of the year for the, um, this year's Raise Conference. And we're gonna ask them all to just introduce themselves. And we're gonna go around the room and uh, around the Zoom, we should say. And let's start with you, Katie. Why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? My name is Katie Kogelman, and I'm the CEO of United Way of Wayne and Homes in beautiful Worcester, Ohio. Worcester, that's right. We were all talking about that last night, and we're very proud of ourselves that we said it the right way. So Worcester, got it. Um, how about you, Will? Uh, thanks, Don. Good, uh, good afternoon, everybody. My name is Bill Miller. I am the CEO of the Kane University Foundation, uh, located in Union, New Jersey. Uh, although we do have um, numerous campuses across New Jersey, we also, interestingly, have a campus in China. So uh, they, they keep us busy over there. It's a busy time, but very happy to be here today. So what exit on the parkway? Yeah, it's, it's, it's exit 140, if you're familiar with the uh, tri-state area. Okay, so I'm exit 82. I'm a Jersey girl through and through. Okay. So. so you're yeah. down by the ocean. That's that's the place. I am. That's right. <laughs> well, good to have a fellow New Jerseyan here on the panel. Okay, Nathan, how about you? Uh, my name is Nathan Smith. I am the Vice President of Philanthropy at RAIN. Uh, we're an HIV nonprofit where we serve individuals living with HIV and those at risk. So we serve people that are HIV positive and HIV negative. Wow. Well, it's so nice to meet you. Well, I want to start off with a big, huge congratulations as fundraisers of the year. Um, it's just, as I mentioned, I think it's a little bit extra special this year, given you know what we've all been through. But um, so tell me, what, how did you feel about that honor? I mean, somebody either nominated you or you submitted the application yourself. And um, we had, a, you know, it was not easy. We get a lot of um, 
applications here, you know, through through the race conference. And it's a process to go through them all and, you know, to, to declare our winners. And out of the entire country, it's you three. So what did that mean to you? Uh, I was absolutely amazed and honored that uh, just a small town girl in a small town would have won that award. And actually, when Steve called to let us know, we thought it was a sales call. We're like, oh, man. And then he's like, no, wait, wait, I need to know. And so he spoke with Carolyn, my colleague, and we were literally dancing in the office, hooping and hollering. So it's quite an honor. And to, you know, win it with Bill and Nathan, which I can't even imagine how much money they raise. It's just a great honor to me. How about you, Bill? Yeah, I, I would echo what, what Katie said. It's um, it's a tremendous, tremendous honor and uh, recognized with this award. And I know how many good people there are out there in this space. And uh, as our listeners probably know, it's uh, it's not a nine to five gig. People are very committed, very dedicated. And right now, uh, with nonprofits struggling due to what's going on in the world and with our resources, we're working even harder than we ever have. So the fact that, um, that the panel thought of me, uh, words can't express my appreciation. And I'm really honored to be up here with Nathan and Katie today. Nathan? Uh, I mean, I think... I th- Again, repeating everyone else, like just honored. Like it was, you know, it was a total shock. And um, I know for me, like our my development manager was the one that nominated me. And of course, the first thing out of my mouth, because that's who I am, is I was like, so you're doing this because you want job security, right? That's why you did it. Um, <laughs> no, but in all honesty, it was it, just an honor. And it was, it was, it's just, it's nice to be um, acknowledged. But then, you know, also on the flip side, it's, it's really nice to be able to give rain. Uh, you know, another platform, another avenue to share our mission and our vision and be able to kind of share what we do to a larger audience. So it was, it was you know, similar to everyone, it was just an honor to, to be nominated and to be accepted and also to be with everyone else. So, yeah. Well, tell us about Rain. Tell let's why don't we talk about the missions because that's what this is all about: celebrating you, celebrating the missions. So I'd love to hear from each of you. Nathan, you can kick off. Um, what, what, what do you guys do, and how do you impact the community and build better tomorrows? Uh, so Rain is um, is an, like I mentioned earlier, is an HIV nonprofit. Uh, we've been around for almost thirty years. It'll be thirty years in twenty twenty two. It started literally in a church pew um, one Sunday morning. Our founder is who is an ordained Baptist minister. Um, I joke that I don't hold that against her. My dad's an Episcopal priest, so it's um, I I feel like I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> but she was sitting in church one day and realized that people were dying of AIDS and um, they were being kicked out of their homes and kicked out of their churches and um, were alone. And so she decided to create a, a group of getting different churches together to offer care and support so they can die with dignity and not die alone. And as HIV has changed, we have changed. And so we've gone from um, taking care of those dying to now taking care of those living. And we've gone from kind of a 
faith-based kind of component to really more of a medical model. So we have 11 different core services. We have case management, which is connecting individuals uh, to services and housing. Uh, we have three uh, part-time therapists that offer free mental health counseling. Uh, we help connect people to health insurance and actually help pay their premiums. Uh, we have a youth program that serves individuals as young as 13 all the way up to 24. Um, we have early intervention services, which is basically people that have fallen out of care or have newly diagnosed and don't know how to access the kind of um, the services. We get them connected. We do testing. We do research studies. Um, like I said, we do a lot, a lot of stuff, um, but we also do um PrEP, which is a, a medication that can actually prevent HIV. Um, so the, the best way to describe it is it's basically birth control for HIV. Um, it's a one pill a day that people can take um, so that they can, um, so they do come in contact. Um, they, can, um, they can actually help prevent um, them from getting infected. But we also are just sharing the knowledge and helping kind of break down the stigma around HIV. It's a manageable disease. It's not a scary disease. Um, it does, it looks, you know, it could happen to anyone. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of us in a nutshell. It's really cool to see our staff. Most of our staff are young, which is cool, which is great. Um, we have a lot of staff that are also HIV positive because we really believe in peer-to-peer -peer, um, and connecting those individuals and stuff like that. So beautiful. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing. I mean, this forum, this platform will help us, get, you know, get to know each of you a little bit better. And um, there might be people out there that are aligned. So that's always a good thing. Um, but Bill, how about how about you? What, what, what are we doing in Union over there to, you know, make great communities and um, see the future of what's going on in the world. So tell us how you're doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Don. We're actually doing a lot of really cool stuff. Um, Kane university um, is, uh, is really an institution on the move. And we were founded in 1855 as kind of a teacher's college. We were a commuter driven school. And over the last 20 years or so, there's been um, a number of enhancements really across almost every academic sector. And, uh, and now we're one of the, um, the institutions really on the rise, not just in the tri-state area, but I would argue across the country. Uh, we just received word yesterday, actually, uh, that U.S. News and World Report recognized us as one of the best uh, institutions of higher education for, uh, for upward mobility, for social mobility. So one of the cool things about Kane University uh, is that we, um, we're one of the most diverse schools in the nation. And you have a lot of our students who are the first in their families to go to uh, to pursue a degree in higher education. And uh, as you can imagine, our commencements uh, really kind of tug on the heartstrings uh, because of that. Um, but uh, a parallel to the, the great work that's being done at the university, and there's so much I could talk about, uh, just to give everybody a sense, our four-year graduation rate at our STEM college is second only to Princeton University, uh, which is pretty good company to be in. Uh, our speech pathology program is recognized as one of the best across the country. Uh, so there's all sorts of examples that, that I could go through if we had more time to talk about the great stuff that's happening here. Uh, we also have a new president um, who has really hit the ground running. He's entering year two right now, and his leadership um, is very exciting, inspiring, and I think is going to serve the community well as we move forward. So we're on board. Uh, but the foundation is, is kind of my realm, my world at the university. So uh, our, we exist, as you might imagine, to support four primary functions, right? We exist to support students. We exist to support faculty. We exist to support research initiatives. 
or facility upgrades. And what's interesting particular foundation. Uh, we were founded in 1984, uh, but in 2018, we kind of restructured. And now I'm employed by the foundation. Obviously, we exist to support Kane University, but I work for the foundation. The folks on my team work for the foundation, and we cover the costs of health benefits, information technology, IT, HR. That's all stuff that uh, normally you wouldn't see a foundation in the higher ed world uh, being responsible for. Uh, so we're doing something that I'd like to say is a little bit cutting edge and a little bit different, uh, given our asset base. We have just under $100 million in assets under management. But if you take a look at that cohort, or that cohort, I should say, I can't really find many other institutions that are structured in this way. Uh, and we're, uh, we're seeing success, right? So in, uh, in, uh, in three years ago, we had our best year since 2010. A couple of years ago, uh, thanks to the good work of, of our small but mighty team, as I like to say, we received the largest gift in the institution's history. And uh, we just closed the books on our fiscal year a couple of months ago for the last year, and our donor count was actually up. And you know, given the fact that we were in a pandemic, we couldn't conduct certain events or, or conduct business the way we normally would, the fact that our donor count has increased is, um, is a really good sign. So. That's just a real, real kind of quick and dirty glimpse into some of the good stuff that's happening at Kane and Kane University. Well, I can endorse that for sure. I, I know that Kane University is also um, one of the leaders in, in um, educating our future educators. And I uh, live minutes away from Ocean County College, which has a reciprocal program, you know, that feeds into, into Kane. And I know that it's really producing the finest educators um, you know, in, in, in our country. So I applaud the work that you're doing. Thank you, you know, for that journey. So now I want to turn it over, you know, to you, Katie, um, if that's okay. But before I do, I heard that you escaped uh, your office and your, maybe your home office and your virtual office, and that you uh, took a little bit of a getaway to um, perhaps a different type of property. Are you actually watching Rays from a, a hotel room so that you can focus and concentrate on all the great content? Did I hear that right? Yes, we we are. Um, last year, we did raise virtually at the office and it was constant interruptions, phone calls, people stopping in. Hey, Katie, we need you for this. And so we really didn't get everything out of it that we would have liked to. We were planning on going to Washington, D.C. So I said, you know what, we're going to go to a hotel right here in Worcester and act as though we're at the conference. So we were even dressed up, you know. <laughs> I see your ring light back there. Do you have a ring light? Yeah. I mean, we what are, you, uh, we're going, going all out. That's right. Um, I think we need to move Ray's headquarters over to your hotel room <laughs> in Worcester. There we go. So yeah. funny. All right. On a serious note, let's hear a little bit more about the mission, what you do, and how you're furthering. So, yeah. At United Way of Wayne and Homes, for many people, they don't realize that United Ways are all separate. You know, we're not charter organizations. We are our own 501c3 right here in rural Ohio. So our goal and our mission is to actually raise money to help all of the other nonprofits in our area. We run two of our own programs. One is Dolly Parton's Imagination Library, which many people know and love and that a little program. bit of internet connectivity. Oh, can we got you. We got, we got you. Okay. You're back. 
And so we do the Dive Partner Imagination Library to make sure kids have free books. And we do a local resource hotline. And that came in very handy during the pandemic because we ended up being the county COVID-19 hotline and the vaccine hotline. But ultimately, our main goal is to raise money so that our corporate partners um, get asked one time. They're not getting asked by several different organizations. That's the role that our community has always wanted United Way to play here. We don't do programs. We literally raise money. That's all we do. And that couldn't have been easy in the past. How many months are we now? 19, 20 months? um, Well, we hit it head on. And we, I said from the beginning, we're not going to back down to this virus. When every, a lot of other people were complaining and canceling, I said, uh-uh, we're going to conquer and claim victory. We're going to hit it. Uh, we have a, a unique community, too. We have about 60% of our population is Amish. Um, so it was very unique because for a lot of rural communities, COVID didn't impact like it did in big cities. Um, our most of our industry is manufacturing. So they never stopped working. Um, our tourism was hit. Uh, some of our other industries were hit, but our manufacturing, actually, most of them had better years than they had ever had. So we were able to leverage that and actually get bigger donations because they were making more money. So what, let's let's open that up a little bit more to the three of you, whoever wants to jump in. It's been a tough time, right? And you've ri- the three of you have risen to fundraiser of the year. Um, hopefully that means you've had, you know, growth either in your donor database or in your fundraising or maybe both. What did you do? What what how did you take it when we heard from Katie? I'm I'm taking this head on and I'm going to claim victory. What what were some of the things that you did that, I mean, we know that you're fundraiser of the year, so you had to overcome and, and achieve success. What were some of the things that you did, whoever wants to take that? I can go. I think similar to Katie, I, I was like, there was no backing down. There was no canceling. And I hate to use this word, but you pivot. I mean, that's what you had the to P-word. do. Oh, no, the P word. But, but, you know, but you had like, no, don't get, you know, you know, like you had no choice, but to like, you know, we didn't have the luxury of saying, okay, you know what, we'll just, we'll just stop for a year and not do events or, or things like that. It was more like, okay, we still have to do it. So now how do we, you know, change or whatever, you know, like we, our walk, we did, um, <clears throat> I was lucky enough that we were able to, I didn't actually host a walk. I just said, okay, we're extending the fundraising for a month. And if you want to walk, have fun in the middle of the pandemic. I wasn't worried about, you know, putting together an event. So obviously that saved us money, but then we actually wound up raising more money um, last year. And then our bingo event that we do in the fall, we went completely virtual and filmed it. And I, I felt like I produced a TV show. I never want to do it again. But I learned I can produce a TV show if I want to. But I think that was the thing is like there was no we're going to, you know, just not do it like it was OK, we're, we're still going to do this. But how do we do it differently? And it was just, you know, I joked about it, but it was the wild, wild west. Like, you know, there was especially last year, there was nothing off the table. You could do kind of anything you wanted because no one had done it before. So no one could judge you if you did it wrong. <laughs> so. That was kind of my two cents on everything. Anyone else? 
Yeah, I, I would echo what uh, Nathan and Katie um, ha have already articulated. Uh, but what, what we did at Kane University and the Kane University Foundation is obviously we took a step back, took a breath, and we said, all right, let's focus on kind of the four main pillars that have um, have provided us with success in the past. So what were they? One would be our case for support. You know, how are we telling our story? How are we communicating with donors and prospective donors? And as terrible as the last 20 months have been, uh, it did provide us with an opportunity to call our friends and just check in and not necessarily always ask for money. Uh, but I think that resonated well with some of our constituents and key stakeholders. Uh, parallel to that, we, um, we took out our leadership component, right? So we have a terrific board at the Kane University Foundation. We have a terrific president who's very dynamic. And although we couldn't get them in front of donors face to face, we were able to take advantage of the digital vehicles that are out there that I'm sure Katie and Nathan have been able to utilize as well. So really a lot of focus on communication over the last 20 months or so. Uh, and then also um, kind of on, on the back end, uh, when folks ask me, how did you weather the storm or the past 20 months? Uh, I have to give a shout out. I said my small but mighty team earlier. I have to give a shout out to them, right? Because um, believe it or not, we're just a, a team of seven and we probably need another 10 people or so. Uh, but they really rallied and came together. And from a managerial perspective, I'm sure uh, Nathan and, and Katie can speak to this as well. But it wasn't easy, right? Because, um, the, any boundaries that may have existed kind of were broken down, right? And, and now it was... Um, obviously, you've got to be productive. You've got to get the work done, uh, but you've also got to respect your your team and make sure that um, from just a mental health perspective, they're doing okay. So we really focused on the team and making sure that everybody was okay. And uh, now that I look back on it, I'm really glad that I did that because um, because obviously we couldn't do any of the work without without the people that we have. They're our most important asset, right? So had a good, healthy team. Right. Those were kind of the. Uh, areas that we focus on at Kane Foundation. Great. Good to hear. And Katie, I know that um, some things that you focused on were your social media campaigns. So why don't you tell us about that and, you know, what else you did to um, explore digital communications and embrace that? Because that's what we had left to work with and and how you leverage email. So if you can comment on that, that'd be great. We used every social media platform that we had. And we even we had hopped on the TikTok train a little bit before the pandemic anyway, we didn't really know how to use it, but um, we learned and we asked for money on every single platform. Every Friday we go live and that towards the end of the year, we do five bucks Friday. We, you know, get all goofy and crazy. And we ask people just to get five bucks on Friday. And then we're going to enter you into a raffle and you're going to win something cool. If we pull your name, um, TikTok, we ran the same sort of ads. We did, um, a, a rubber duck race because we normally have a 5k 10k half and the permits were pulled so we said hey we're gonna race these rubber ducks instead of people and it actually was so much easier and the return on investment was huge <laughs> so we're gonna probably do that for a couple years because people really loved it but we believe that duck race will probably die eventually. I can't imagine every year people wanting to adopt these rubber ducks. But, you know, we would get donations from all over the country because of these social media platforms. And we are a local 
I mean, every dollar stays right here in our small community. And we're getting donations from Arizona and people who are into cosplay. And I didn't even know what cosplay was, but we dressed up in costume on TikTok. And all of a sudden we uh, created some cool. So whatever it took. TikTok famous. <laughs> Not, you know, like not always have to reinvent yourself. Right. So right. the uh, pandemic, you know, required you to think out of the box and have rubber duck races. But just like anything else that that you can't keep doing everything the same way because you're only going to get those results. Right. You have to constantly rebrand yourself. So I love to hear that you guys sound like a great fun team over there. So Fun Friday. Let's all jump in. Um, we're almost coming to the end of our celebration of the three of you as fundraisers of the years, but I'd like to go around again. We'll go in that same order, um, starting with Katie. Um, what's one tip, one, one le either lesson that you've learned that you're going to bring forward post-pandemic and maybe even into the future? Or what's that one golden nugget as fundraiser of the year you want to share with the fundraising community about what they need to embrace every day, all day, because there certainly was some, a lot of lessons learned, but I think there are a lot of good lessons learned for the future that we, we really could, you know, take, take on for years. So um, expert advice from our expert fundraisers of the year, what would that one piece of advice be? So my one piece would be step up. Um, fundraising is not for the faint of heart, but people need to know you, you need to be present step up. So when they call you and they're like, Hey, can you do this? Even if it seems out of your realm and it's weird. Yes, we'll do it. We'll figure it out. And that just builds your relevance in the community, but also your presence. And we know that people give to people. Of course. That's great. Go ahead. How about you, Bill? Yeah. Thanks, Don. I, um, I would argue that there's no better time to be in the nonprofit space, right? We exist for these times, for moments of crisis to help people. And as Katie said, people give to people. People are generous. Americans, I think, gave $470 billion across the country last year, according to Giving USA. So they will respond and enthusiasm is contagious. And uh, as, as I kind of um, look at kind of where I've gone in my career and, and as I try to help others who are earlier on in their careers, I say I look for four kind of key ingredients, right? I look for folks that relationship driven. I also look for folks that communicate well, whether that's writing, public speaking. I look for folks that are data driven because there are numbers involved, as everybody knows. But at the end of the day, you can throw all that stuff out. And, and the most important ingredient is passion, right? Believe in what you're doing. And I think that is, um, is similar to what Katie was saying in that, uh, you know, every day bring 110% because your donors, your friends, your partners, they will sense that and they will help you. So if you're passionate about your work and you're passionate about the nonprofit space, everything else is going to fall into place. I love that. And I agree. I think this is one of the, this is going to come out as the, the best time for fundraisers, not, not, not the worst. I mean, it was scary. We had to do the P word, but um, good time to be fundraisers. How about you, Nathan? Um, be flexible. I think, you know, flexible with people's schedules, you know, sometimes not being able to meet nine to five. Sometimes you have to meet early. I'm not a morning person, but I will do it if I have to. I try to avoid it to um, after hours, be flexible when it comes to something being thrown at you in events, you know, knowing that it's not going to, you know, be 
the exact way you planned it. And I think also be, be flexible with yourself. So making sure that you're giving yourself time to reflect, to think about the, the weeks ahead, but also time to, to recharge. Uh, you know, I think Bill mentioned earlier, like it is not a nine to five job. It is not nine to five. It is not Monday through Friday. It is sometimes 10 o'clock at night, a phone call or a text message, but also making sure that you are flexible and you're giving yourself that time back to be able to recharge. So that means if you get to sleep in a little and, you know, and come and work to work, you know, late that morning, that's for me, for me but it's, it's being flexible and being flexible with your staff. Um, so. Great advice. Well, that's all we have time for today. I wanted to thank you so much for joining me. This is going to be a very inspirational episode of Raise Nation Radio, just hearing about how you overcome and your positive attitude and your perseverance, especially in, in uncertain times. So really, congratulations again. We're honored to know you and we're honored to be able to you know, just celebrate you for just, you know, a short time and, and send you that beautiful plaque. I don't, I don't know if you've received them yet. I, I saw them here on display. I think that was for production purposes, but I know that they're going out and they really are special and beautiful. So display it proudly and, um, you know, just celebrate the moment, celebrate you and, and your missions. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. So Fearless Fundraisers, that's about all the time that we have for today. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you uh, enjoyed today's Raise Nation uh, episode of celebrating the fundraisers of the year and also enjoyed your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. I'd like to thank our sponsor, One Cause, for making this episode possible. One Cause is driving the future of fundraising with easy-to-use software solutions to help nonprofits connect with donors. Be sure to check them out at onecause.com. So on behalf of the fundraisers of the year and myself, a big shout out and thanks to everyone involved. We appreciate our fundraisers of the year sharing their expert advice and um, their, their authenticity. Um, we please connect with them. You can find them all on, on the Raise Conference app. And of course, I'm sure on LinkedIn and on their uh, various websites, follow their journey because it's truly something special. So until next time, I'm Don Lego, and this is Raise Nation Radio. Stay fearless out there. One Cause is the proud sponsor of Raise Nation Radio and your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. One Cause is driving the future of fundraising with easy-to-use software solutions that help nonprofits connect with donors. Day in and day out, One Cause puts your cause at the center of everything they do. Let One Cause power your fundraising.